I don't think most people watch shows the way you guys watch it and analyze it and break it down. So I think people are going to listen to this and be like, I got to rewatch this now. Welcome to the Monarch Experience Podcast. Here at the Monarch Experience Podcast, we are giving students the platform to be able to voice their opinions about what matters most to them. And today, what matters most to them, it's Cobra Kai Season 4. You haven't watched it yet? Pause this episode because not only, not only are we going to be breaking down major plot points, character arcs, as well as predictions for Season 5 favorite scenes. There's going to be tons of spoilers, so pause this. Come back to it once you finish watching season four. I am your host, Mr. Ancona, and I am so pumped for what we've got coming down the line. The content creators are hard at work, and it kind of hit us that we've got, as of this recording, we've got about 50 days Until the Monarch Experience podcast hits our 50th episode. That is mind-blowing, and I won't get too sentimental right now and start reflecting and and thinking about how far this podcast has come, how many students I've gotten to chat with that maybe I would have never have gotten to talk to with this podcast, or how many students I never got to hear uh, this side of them if uh, if not for this podcast and not for being able to do episodes with them. So... Uh, I'll save all that sentimental stuff, uh, the sappy stuff, for another time. But what I want to share with everybody is that if, if you follow us on Snapchat at the Monarch Experience Podcast, you will see that I am going to be posting a story once a day over the next 50 days in culmination or in a countdown to when our 50th episode of the Monarch Experience will be released, which is going to be, if all things go according to plan, Wednesday February 23rd. And not only will the 50th episode be this gigantic celebration and delve into how we create content and how to create content in general, so it won't be just podcast related, uh, but stuff that if you're a content creator or an aspiring content creator that you can hopefully take from this episode, which will of course be featuring our content creator specialists, Umar, Sria, and Rohan, but we also are going to be unveiling and launching something that you, our audience, are going to love. And maybe there was a hint as to what we're launching, what we're unveiling, but it's big. Uh, it's going to be huge. We've already launched our TikTok account. You can follow us on TikTok at Monarch XP. And of course, if Twitter is your thing, you can follow us on Twitter at The Monarch XP as well. 50 days, 50 stories for each episode that we've recorded here at the Monarch Experience. I'm going to share some behind-the-scenes information, some never-before-told uh, stories from each episode, the recording experience, uh, some funny stories about maybe the students in general, stuff that happened while we were recording, stuff that happened leading up to it, uh, or just kind of my memory or uh, insight into what each episode was, uh, the inner workings of each episode. So without further ado, check that out on social media, and let's dive right into chatting about Cobra Kai Season 4. I can't wait. 
We're talking about Cobra Kai Season 4, and I am so excited because much like many of you out there, I'm sure you binge-watched this thing in a matter of days. Uh, we've got three, two or three, incredible guests today on this episode reviewing Cobra Kai Season 4. We've got returning, you may remember her, of course you would remember her, she's unforgettable. We've got Rika returning from our review of Season 3. Rika, want to say something to our audience? Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody, it is. Uh, we've got Ben. Ben is... Ben, say something mm-hmm. to our audience. It's... Well, everyone, welcome to the Cobra K Season 4 review. Wonderful. Uh, ben, I think, is the one who kind of... Ben and Rika, we were like, you know, I guess we're going to have to scrap the getting to know you question because of time, and I didn't really think of one, so who cares? And uh, Ben and Rika had the great thought of, we don't need one. We all know each other. Everybody knows everybody. So it's perfect. Exactly. So I guess the big question to ask is, how quickly did you watch Cobra Kai Season 4? Two days. Two days. Two days? Two days. All right. I wish I could say one day. If I didn't watch it with my family, I would say one day. But unfortunately, well, not maybe not unfortunately. Well, it's <laughs> unfortunate in the fact that it took two days. But it's unfortunate that... We couldn't watch it in one day. We watched four ben, episodes the first and six episodes the second. Ben is Ben is walking that statement back because he knows his parents are probably going to listen to this <laughs> when it comes out, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, my parents holding me back from doing the things I love and yeah. watching, what, uh, 10 hours of TV consecutively. <laughs> now nah, maybe a little less. Um, I, well, I actually calculated well, it was five parents, hours. Thank you. Really, that's it? Yeah. Yeah, because half-hour episodes, yeah. I mean, look, mm-hmm. half-hour episodes, love that. That is the way to go. No filler, all thriller, like Jerry Lee Lewis would say. References you guys are not getting at all. All right, so <laughs> let's jump into this. Cobra Kai Season 4, uh, let's start right here. Ben, Rika, better or worse than Season 3 as a whole? Better or worse, Ben? I think it's better because there's just, like, Season 3, I feel like, like, I feel like Season 2 and Season 4, a lot happened in those seasons. Season yeah. three was kind of like closing out season two and beginning Fair. season four. Like Miguel was recovering. Like okay, yeah, he got her. We know it's gonna happen. Miguel <laughs> was recovering and rehabbing, and the dojos were preparing. Like nothing new. Like besides Daniel going to Okinawa, nothing new really happened. It was just kind of like a preparing for season four. I think season four was better than season three because it's just more action okay. build and there's more that happened but i but i still season one was my favorite season i would disagree about season four being better because in season four it was mostly just leading up to the final uh, all valley tournament whereas in season three it was a lot of different stuff with um uh daniel going to okinawa and meeting chosen and that entire fight scene oh, yeah. that was amazing but season four was just a bit slow, especially episodes like two to five. With it, was, yes. it felt mostly like filler compared to actual meat of the season. Rika, I'm so glad you said that because I found myself getting really. I mean, in a half an hour show, I usually am not super distracted and on my phone. But man, I felt like episodes two through five. I was like on my phone. I was kind of like not paying attention. It felt like what like you said it perfectly. It was all leading up to the last final two episodes and man, it did not disappoint. But 
I thought season three was overall better. It was much more of a roller coaster. Every episode felt like a holy cow, I can't believe this happened kind of moment. Whereas season four, it, the end was more like a giant explosion uh, towards the end. Yeah, and, and we'll, I would agree with that, despite what I said. Yeah, and Ben said that uh, it was mostly about just Miguel rehabbing, but every episode was about a new step where first um, he just couldn't do anything and Johnny was trying everything he could. In the next episode, he took him to a concert and his legs started moving. It was like an improvement in every episode. So, Yeah, so big thing that I want to start with this, this conversation, and you know, if you've listened to this podcast and you've listened to the episode where we did with season three, you probably going to notice that the way we're going to talk about this is a little different we're not going to talk about our favorite characters or anything like that really i want to focus on kind of the thematic arc that they were trying to get across with season four which you know sometimes when you're trying to complete a character arc or complete a, a narrative there is sometimes a lull in the middle of the show or the text or the book or whatever it may be and i think that's fair that that happened in two to five there was a lot of building you needed those episodes to build to build to build to get to that inevitable explosion at the end so i I, one of the themes that i noticed that i want to start with is it it hit me at the end of season four that every season pretty much has the common theme of a new villain basically from season well season one on there's been a new villain that has overtaken the previous villain and leaves you at the end of the the season going Oh man, is that villain going to be worse? So I want to kind of start there. And oh, and also we've got Rashawn. Rashawn, say something to our audience. Uh, hi. <laughs> to me, the big thing it's like Cobra Kai starts, and immediately season one, you you know Johnny Lawrence is the villain, right? And then a new villain overtakes him, and it's it's Crease. And then right. what Crease... about season three? Well, so. Uh, season three was more of a build-up. I don't think Lauren, uh, Johnny went back to being the villain, but he wasn't exactly a hero there either. Yeah, and I think what was interesting then, and then at the end, it's you know it's Lawrence to Crease, it's Crease to Lawrence, and then Terry Silver comes in uh, and takes over. So I just think it's very interesting that like the concept of so many of the bad guys in this show are always who can be more bad. <laughs> we got two bad guys, and competition then the, of the villains. It, competition of the villains right uh did any of you guys notice that do you guys like does that make the show more impressive what are your thoughts not really (laughs) i think think that like it's just something like i don't think it's like i don't think like all the villains that have been throughout the show like are knowingly competing to be better like i just think that it just so happens to turn out that way and also you said johnny was the villain in like season one like he was the villain but that was clear and the people who wrote the show wanted to make that clear but i feel like at the same time the show kind of protagonized him like you were feeling for him at the beginning you were feeling for him and you were like you weren't rooting for him but he was likable and he wasn't like a classic villain it wasn't it wasn't a straightforward good guy bad guy show so i guess i guess what i meant was that in cope in Karate Kid, he was the the right. villain, yeah. and then once the show started, you're immediately your brain is like, okay, well, I got Daniel Lewis, so he's your good guy, and now I've got Johnny Lawrence, and he's the bad guy. Uh, I, I guess I wonder if that's like a part of the, the the idea that like bad sometimes brings out the good in people, where like 
Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine, where like Emperor Palpatine was so bad trying to kill Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi, and Darth Vader's kind of like, damn, this dude's crazy. And that kind of is the catalyst that you turns him good. what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, that, that was something that kind of really jumped out for me. Um, Rashawn asked a really great question in, in the planning doc, and I hope Rashawn could get in on this, but he asked, who's the bigger sociopath, Kreese? Or Terry Crews. Or Terry, Terry, Terry <laughs> Crews, the actor. Terry <laughs> <laughs> uh, Silver. Yeah. D- d- that Old Spice commercial guy. <laughs> Terry Crews is a wonderful human being. Uh, or Terry Silver. <laughs> uh, what's your take? Who's the bigger sociopath? I would say that the more obvious sociopath is definitely Crease Because he has a backstory and while he has a reason to do the stuff like he's been hardened to do all this stuff his girlfriend died and all and being in the vietnam war and all of that but he's definitely there are people who have survived the vietnam war and are okay humans but he is not okay so he's definitely a sociopath (laughs) that that's fair Uh, and i think he's got a longer history of doing heinous things ben who do you think is a bigger sociopath I have to agree. I think Kreese, I think Kreese is the bigger sociopath, especially because of his background. And the thing that makes Terry Silver kind of a sociopath is really like his money. Like he gave Robbie a Ferrari to take to prom <laughs> when Robbie wasn't even going to the school. Yeah, and yeah. he just uses like without his money, I feel like there's not much to him because like he kind like when he, they announced him at his dojo at the tournament. He kind of, like, took the mic. He, he kind of took over and was like, we're launching tons of Cobra Kai franchises. Like, if you didn't have the money, you wouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Like, I feel like Terry Silver lies on, relies on Kreese's influence and relies on and gets that sociopathness from Kreese. And, if like, if he didn't have his money, I think he'd be a completely different person. The reason why I think that Terry was a really good villain is because... He, he's just introduced and he actually fit it. not technically just introduced he's been there from Karate Kid and they brought him back and yeah. um, he's throughout the entire series he's ba- he's basically shown as the one who's trying to one up Chris because he's been put down the entire time he's like you're you're wimp you, you're you're not as good as I am I'm the one who saved yeah. you and stuff like that and he's constantly trying to prove himself and when he gets that he he builds all that money. He knows that he's tr- he's trying to prove to himself that he's better than Chris. Yeah, you know what? I agree, and I know it doesn't make for a great conversation, which is fine because we're moving right on. I agree. I think Chris is the bigger sociopath, and and I think major props to Rashawn for for posing that question because I think it's such an interesting one. I'm very proud of us for not letting recency bias influence us. With the last scene where you know Terry Terry Silver, not Terry Cruz, it makes this just such a horrible decision to to get crease you know to frame him and to abuse stingray like that i'm so glad that we still stuck with that eh, crease is still worse of a guy but we'll we'll get there because i feel like i'm kind of rooting for crease at the end but is it really like 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 maybe i just missed something when stingray was in the hospital and the fbi agent said who did this to you we'll make sure they never do it to you again yeah did like like did stingray just not know that wasn't Crease. No, no. So, it seemed like I may have just missed this because it seemed like Terry Silver knew that Crease was going to get arrested. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, uh, Rika, take it away. So 
um, in the beginning, when uh, when Stingray came back to the dojo, Chris was like, no, you're not welcome here, get out. And he just, like, embarrassed him in front of the entire dojo. Right. And he came back, and he found um, Silver in, uh, in, the, in, like, the back of the dojo. And he's like, yeah. take me back, take me back. But uh, he beats him up. And later, uh, when we get to, I think, the last episode, yeah, there's there's a flashback where he shows that uh, Silver is like, you need to do this for me. And uh, it shows that uh, Stingray is the one saying that Sensei Kreese did this to me. Because Silver's is framing Kreese uh, for that. He's saying that he's trying to force him to say that it was Kreese. Yeah, and, and I think Stingray is such a, I mean, to not sound nice, he's he's so pathetic um, and just wants to be included so badly. There's nothing pathetic about wanting to be included, but the way that he goes, the means that he does to do it, uh, I think Silver knows that this guy is such a, in his eyes, such a loser that I could beat the snot out of him and I could then get him to do whatever I tell him to. And I think that might be Terry Silver's weakness where, like, power. Like, he wants this power because he came clean of everything and gained this power through money and financial opportunity and all of that. And he was living this very luxurious but very successful life, but he was powerful and I think you see him assert that power when he bribes the ref at the end. So I think this – and this is a great transition to where we're going now – that this theme of everybody has a weakness, it hit me at the end where it's everyone has – every character has this weakness that is so integral to the plot of season four. Um, and it uses their arc to begin to come to like this close or what I imagine is going to come to a close or even just help them grow as a character like with Daniel LaRusso. Which character's weakness do you guys think had the biggest impact on them and their decisions? I think Daniel. Yeah? What his was his well, let's start here. What was his weakness and then how do you think that impacted his impacted his decisions? I think his weakness was his understanding, well, his lack of understanding that there's another like it's even specifically stated multiple times in the show. There's like another way of doing things. There's another way of life besides Miyagi-Do Karate. Because he's been, like, I don't remember Mr. Miyagi ever saying, like, this is the only way, don't listen to right. what anyone else says. He just assumes that from the teachings of Miyagi-Do Karate. And I think that, like, Sam wanting to learn Eagle Fang and learn, and learn both styles opens up Daniel to this possibility that that there is that there is in fact another way and that there is something there's another way of karate and that he his way might not always be the right way dan I, ben dan ben i think that's so interesting because like you're so right mr miyagi never said this is the only way but i think as a matter I want- of fact he probably would have supported that it's not he, he, yeah. he actually did when there's a flashback scene he's uh he's like you're gonna have your own way when you grow up it's not yes. gonna be just this yeah and by the way the flashbacks i'm sure we talked about it in the season three review uh but i i can't help but like from an editing standpoint the way that they infuse scenes from the three movies they do it so masterfully where it doesn't feel like a flashback. It doesn't feel like a cheesy, like, you know, fam- I don't know if you guys watch Family Guy, but, like, how Family Guy does, like, the cutaways. Like, it just doesn't feel so contrived. It seems so natural where 
when it happens, like there's no scene where they've done the flashback where I've gone, they're going to do a flashback here. It just happens so seamlessly with what they're trying to show. I love that. And I, I Rika, I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I think I, I wonder if a part of it and why Sam, Daniel's son is, or Daniel's daughter is so open to trying new things is because she kind of fits in. Like she's got this like crowd and click that she's a part of and she's popular and she's wealthy. And like she fits in, in a lot of the society within school. Whereas Daniel, when he moved in, in the original Karate Kid, like he was the loner. He was the loser. Like he had no friends. He had no, no place that he could kind of find his way. So it only makes sense that someone like Daniel would then gravitate towards Miyago, Miyagi-Do karate and then say, this is the only way because it's the only thing that kind of accepted him. So um, in my opinion, like I've never really liked Sam much. Like that's just my opinion. But ever since Me I, like, when I watched that scene, like when she was about to fight Piper, like I feel like and like she started to use uh, uh, Eagle Fang techniques. I think that's like what Daniel was really missing. Like I could I know like. Yeah, sure. Like he can't. Like he would get bullied by uh, Cobra Kai, but like he, I think he's still like maybe, maybe in the back of his head, he maybe thinks that uh, it, like Eagle Fang is still like kind of Cobra Kai ish. Which yeah. is, he actually says that. Up. He actually says that in the. I think in the first few episodes, he's like, "It's not that different. You just say it's different, but you're still teaching what Cobra Kai teaches." Yeah, and I think, I mean, talk about a character who's really stuck in the past. Like, Daniel is stuck in the, they even make kind of jokes about it where, I think season three they went out to dinner and they're like, oh, look at these guys, they're all just reliving the glory days. I mean, Daniel is so stuck in the past. Rashawn, that's a great point. Johnny Lawrence, to me, I think, is one of the more fascinating ones just because everything that Ben said earlier about him being the antagonist but kind of turning him into the protagonist. Like you feel for him. You feel for him. Like, you want him. T- I don't think every time D- Johnny Lawrence screws up in the, the four seasons, I still find myself rooting for him because I'm like, man, this guy's got a good heart, but he just doesn't know how to do anything right, like, ever. And his weakness clearly is, like, wanting to be the father that he never had. And you see that with his relationship with Robbie. Obviously, that's his biological son. And then you see that with his relationship with Miguel, where he's trying to balance being a father and father figure for both of them. He's failing at both, like, most of the time. And not all of it's his fault, um, but, like, that scene where he calls Miguel Robbie in the hospital was heartbreaking because it took me an extra second or two at first, and I was like, whoa, oh, no, no, Miguel. Like, how could you do that to Miguel? But, again, everybody has a weakness, and I think staying on that theme, it's – Johnny Lawrence's to me is just so interesting because unlike Daniel who's trying to live in the past Johnny Lawrence is trying to like correct all of the stuff that's happened in his past Miguel Miguel needs a father figure too because he doesn't know his dad and that's how Johnny and Miguel are connecting and when he sees the relationship that Sam has with her dad and um and how uh daniel's like when she takes over the company and everything he he sees that she has that money and he doesn't think he can afford all that and he's constantly in that i'm not good enough type of phase and especially when he um both break i don't know breaks his spine and then during the all value when he almost like crunches that up when when he gets hurt i think he feels kind of scared that he's still not ready and not good enough, so he he just absconds and runs away. 
look at the word choice right there. Abscons. Yeah. And he so is. I think you've seen that a lot with his weakness throughout the entire series, not just season four, feeling like he's not good enough. I mean, I think we're going to see that unfold enormously in season five where he goes off to find his father who doesn't know he exists. Like, I, I kind of missed that for a second there because I, I got a notification on my phone. I was just there. And then when she just says... Her, his dad doesn't know he exists. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Johnny's going to save him. And I think that would be, one, strengthening that weakness, kind of that redemption story, and then hopefully that's him putting all the wrongs, you know, right. Um, Rashawn, who, what, which character's weakness do you think has had the biggest impact on their decisions, or what character do you want to break down for a little bit? Probably Hawk. Cause like yeah you know, after oh yeah Let's after talk about Hawk after that um like how like Cobra Kai just shaved his like uh mohawk off like that was basically his whole personality that mohawk that tattoo that was yeah. his whole like that's what he rocked for like ever and then like the disrespect like Cobra Kai put on him like that like backfires on him so much that like yeah. it ruins his confidence his ego like. He was like quitting karate for like a long time, and to be honest, I feel like I feel like he was treated really badly in season four because like in season two and like season one, like during the first All Valley tournament, he like nearly like although Robbie isn't like that experienced yet, like he got training from uh like uh Daniel and like he like even uh who was it Daniel said that he was like he was like better than him right yeah he said that like he was better than him when he was like a child oh uh, to robbie oh uh, yeah to robbie yeah yeah so like the fact that hawk nearly beat him but like the only reason he lost was because he like gave an illegal kick i feel like he got like downgraded by the past season yeah i think a part of like with hawk to his his arc in this season was you know his weakness being the i guess like the shield or the, the like the the facade the, his insic- yeah the perfect yeah the facade that he kind of put up with with the tattoo and with the mohawk and with the you know all of that like personality to just compensate for don't forget what we originally saw him as like he was this like introvert who was so afraid to like talk to anyone or to put himself out there and I think you know he kind of put up this facade like Rika said uh, I love that that. It was horrible. Like we were like, we actually thought that they were gonna tattoo Cobra Kai on him. That would have been. That would, that, it would honestly be cool to have a snake as a tattoo, but it, it would. But realistically, I don't know how effective it would have been because how do any of the kids know how to tattoo? <laughs> how to tattoo? And plus, and like, like, what's the point? Like, you're not showing your back half the, more than half the time. Yeah, exactly. Like they took away what he thought was his identity. Exactly. So that was so enormous for him to grow, and I I love characters that are that have layers and i think hawk now has so much more layering to him especially where he's sitting with his friend uh dimitri and he's showing him that video with like the binary bros i was and he's like you're a nerd like that's who you are like but i love you i was ah i love that uh what other characters you guys want to break down as far as their weakness crease crease yeah okay yeah, I was about to say that. what's what's his what do you think his weakness is johnny i think his weakness johnny yeah. Ben, what do you think? I agree. Johnny, Rashawn? I I think his weakness is messing up. He's like, Mm. he's afraid of messing up. Like, he he said to himself he's afraid to, not afraid to die. 
but like he has a fear like even during the first karate kid when he put like johnny to fight right he got so pissed at like johnny but to be honest i feel like he knew it was his own fault and oh yeah i feel like messing up is his fear because like he's been training like all his life and like he's waiting for cobra kai to come back and finally, now he gets the opportunity, so he's really scared to mess up. Yeah. Oh my God, dude, this is like so eye-opening too, because he's been in the army his whole like uh, during a part of his life. So it's all about rigid structure, and it's all about like following orders. And he's been the, you know, a sensei, a sun, sensei, sensei. He's been a sunset, a, sun, a sensei for all these years, and. Uh, like and it's all about order and respect and like rules and following them and everything is like nice and into place. Rashawn, I never thought that failing would be his weakness. Yeah, like I, I the first time I thought about that was like during season three. Remember like the flashback they had when he was like about to like when they were telling him like pull the trigger on like what was it like that thing like the bomb thing or whatever. Like and I'm then remembering. And then, like, uh, Vaguely familiar. It, and no, like, they were, it was during the Vietnam War, and then they got, oh, like, surrounded yeah, yeah, by, yeah. Like, yeah, they got surrounded by, like, Vietnamese, uh, soldiers. And then, uh, he that, didn't That was a flashback it, so quite a few got... seasons ago. Oh, it was? Yeah. I thought it was season three. Th- oh, maybe I think it was season, season three. Because they didn't, we didn't know about his, his past until season three. It was at the beginning of season three, though, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, man, I, you know, because originally I felt like his weakness was Johnny Lawrence because Terry Silvers kind of said, like, you, that he's your weakness. And that's the obvious answer. Rashawn, I really, really love the deeper because I, I think that might get explored in season five. Uh, ben Rika, what about Johnny Lawrence being his weakness? Or failing that, Johnny Lawrence, maybe even. Let's combine I both. I think that he, like, like – when Sam was fighting Tori and Ter- and they were going to their senseis and Terry Silver was telling Tori what to do and Kreese was thinking about Johnny and I think like Kreese sees that like Kreese doesn't want to give up Cobra Kai like the dojo right. for Johnny but he sees that he failed Johnny as a student because and as a person he, yeah because yes, look is, at him he's a mess because he is no longer a part of Cobra Kai anymore. He yeah. disbanded and formed his own dojo. So he does. Chris doesn't want that. And like Rashawn said, it's about being perfect. Chris doesn't want that to happen to anything else. I agree with you, but I think there's like a way more emotional part of this because uh, when he gets that flashback when um, Tori comes to sen- the senseis and uh, that part, he he remembers where he got so mad at him and starts choking him and all of that. And yes. he he realizes that he complete he uh, he, fa- he feels like he failed him. Yeah. And he um he realizes that he he hasn't taught him well. He, and he not that he hasn't taught him well, but he he sees his failures and how he taught him compared to how well um J- Johnny's teaching his students. And he's just reminded of everything he's done in the past and he's like I don't want to make that mistake again. So do you think that because he's seeing Johnny Lawrence succeed as a sensei, that's the eye-opening, like, aha moment for him to realize, like, oh, crap, I failed yeah. as a yeah. as a teacher, as a leader. Yeah. 
I take everything back that I said. Rashawn, it's totally like his weakness is failure. And it's the failure of, you know, Johnny Lawrence and the failure of all that stuff. But I think it's failure in general. And Johnny Lawrence is just like the the example of that. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, man. Uh, amazing. Amazing. I, I tell you what, I never thought that I would um, – because you see the cracks. You start to see the cracks increase um, where he kind of starts, like, softening. You see him kind of, like, looking at Terry Silver. You see him reflecting. We've never seen him reflect on what he did to Johnny Lawrence back in Karate Kid 1. Uh, you see him start to kind of, like, realize I could right all of these wrongs by telling Tori, like, to, play to right. do what she felt was – to do what she feels is right and to, to do – like to. To not just follow just my teaching and, and do that way. He's becoming more human. Yeah, right? And isn't that the human experience of, like, taking in different perspectives? Uh, dude, oh, my. Whoa. Whew. Huh. Speaking of Tori, does she have – I mean, I know she has a weakness. The show is too well written for her not to have a weakness. What is her weakness? That's actually a really like, hard one. Like, yeah, you know, she has a lot of weaknesses. Be, I struggled. I think it's really I have just an idea. I have an idea. It might be – it might okay. be her. Michelle, like, what do you think? It might be her own confidence that's her own weakness because, like, she okay. doesn't take help from any or her ego. My bad. Like, yeah, yeah. She doesn't take help from anyone. Like, she only wants help from herself and like to take care of her family. Like, her aunt came. Like, she just yes. did not trust her at all. Like, I just I think her her own weakness is herself. Because she is someone who, you know, I know Rashawn, our class, we, we talked a lot about self-sabotaging with uh, the stuff we've been working on. Tori is a perfect example of someone who engages in a lot of self-sabotage. Every second and third chance she gets, she is the one that finds a way to screw it up because ego. I also think that she feels like everything is her fault because uh, at first when all those family situations and everything, she feels the need to... Uh, take on the responsibilities herself to fix the situation that she's in. Yeah. And when she sees what she's done to Sam, she immediately pities her and she is like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. So she feels like that's her fault. Yes. That's what was throwing me off because when she hit that kick, was the kick not legal? I, I don't... They didn't uh, say I mean, it was illegal. Yeah, but we we wouldn't know because uh, Silver has bribed the ref. Uh, right, and, right. Um, uh, but... I don't know how. It's it's just like a character development because in the previous season when uh, Tori and the others broke into the Larissa house and everything and yeah. they beat up Sam and all the others. She, yeah, she, there was no mercy. There was no remorse. No pun intended. No, <laughs> no mercy, no remorse, nothing. But in yes. this, when it comes to fighting legally, she just decides to take pity. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder, and you know, we're gonna start moving on to the next section just for time Might too. Uh, we could we could we could quickly chat about Robbie the mom thing. I really dislike uh, Mrs. LaRusso. Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought that that move of, you know, she's trying to help her. I know her character is a little bit overbearing and maybe a little neurotic. Um, she also always has the face of, like, all, <laughs> yeah, and I know this is audio and you can't hear it, but, like, I realize, like, she's just always making the, like, kind of face. Yeah. Like, she's, like, shocked and appalled a little bit. And it it kind of hit me this season where – She's just interfering, and I know she's trying to do right by Tori, but when she meets her in the locker room, like, don't mess up Tori's, 
her her focus. And when you're like, I just want you to make sure that you don't hurt my daughter. Like, are you kidding me? Like, get her out of the locker room. Let this kid, like, focus for the tournament. Don't pollute her mind with, like, I hope you don't hurt my daughter. Like, that's terrible. Like, I know Amanda wants to help and all, and she probably takes this in a... I mean, of course she does, because Tori beat up her daughter yeah. multiple times. Yeah. So she probably takes this in a very personal way that none of us can really understand. Yeah. But I think that, like, like this is Sam's problem, and she needs yes. to mind her business. I think a big part of it, though, is when we find out that Mrs. LaRusso isn't entirely this, like, static, kind of boring character, that her past... She sees a little bit of Tori, and or she sees herself in Tori, so she's trying to kind of right the wrongs of her own, you know, mistakes. Oh well, yeah, she as a totally kid. wants. She totally I wants found to help, her. But. I yeah. found her particularly annoying when she, uh, when she came to where Tori was working, and she was like, yes. "Don't interfere," and all of that, and and when she tried to make yeah. up for it by by leaving. Um, the bag of groceries there. It, I, I understand yeah. that she was trying she was trying to write the wrong and stuff, but she was just making it seem like Tori couldn't do anything on her own and she needed to like intervene. Yeah. And yeah, I, and I, Tor- I, Tori's not the kind of person exactly. that, that is gonna respond to that. I, like, I totally understood I mean, obviously I don't think any of us are going through that. But I totally understand why Tori got so mad at Amanda and just like coming in to lure so like the auto shop thing and be like you can't do this to me yeah and, and because i think you know the larusos are rich wealthy they're powerful they are successful and they are the it family in you know their their town everybody knows them everybody loves them everybody like oh my god the larusos right slashing they take the prices advantage of that yeah, a little bit. I think they do. And Tori is like this outcast from a broken home that has a lot of stuff that like teenage like that no teenager should have to like shoulder. And she's just like, "Who are you coming down from your pedestal trying to help me? You're not really trying to help me." Uh, one last character that I think we should chat about before we move on to what our favorite scene was, Robbie, because Robbie's weakness with Kenny was very interesting. What are your takes on that? So, in my opinion, Kenny, honestly, when I first saw him, like he, I think he's a likable character. Like, like he he started off like this innocent kid that, like, yeah, you know, he just played dancing at the bus stop. Yeah, like playing what Dungeon Lord or something. Yeah, and then yeah. like, uh, and then like once school started, like it kind of like made him realize like it's the real world now. Like, you know, yeah. So I think I think what Robbie saw in that like once he walked into Cobra Kai like and like talked about talked about it to his brother um, I think when he came into Cobra Kai I think Robbie like could notice like oh he's finally like realized like I think I think he needs help and like that kind of thing like a big brother kind of yeah yeah I he think there's a lot of reflection Kenny. yes there's a lot of reflection and he sees himself in Kenny. And he sees, like, he doesn't want Kenny to repeat his mistakes. And he knows that he especially can, like, help Kenny because because of Kenny's relationship with Sean and Robbie's relationship. With yeah. I, yeah. I agree with that. But I also think that Johnny is his uh, weakness because he's always wanted someone to blame for all his problems because... I mean, Johnny was the, co- uh, the cause for his problems because he abandoned Robbie, but 
he's he just needed someone to pin the blame on and when he finally understands that whatever he went through Kenny's going through and he sees that in in himself he 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 feels bad and he understood what was going on and he needed someone to talk to and he didn't have anyone so he went to his dad which shows that that's his weakness yeah i, I actually know- have like one like this this is really controversial but maybe the mom like his mom shannon is might okay. be a weakness because like if you think about it like he's uh his mom said it before like he was trying to like make uh robbie like not like his dad at all like maybe that was like a weakness because like what like his dad made like multiple efforts to try to help yeah. robbie he didn't want to take any of it because like he took what his mom said and like his own experiences with his dad instead of like forgiving him and maybe giving him another chance so that might have set him up later and that might have been a weakness for him you know it's uh, yeah i Rashawn, i think that's really well said something that ben and rika kind of just said also just to circle back to it for a second was like blaming and i think robbie blaming everyone else for so long i almost think he had to see someone that was going through something that he's going through or similar to him for him to kind of realize his own situation and sometimes i think that someone else yeah i think in life sometimes that happens like you can't see it yourself you have to see someone else going through it for you to be able to yeah realize like what you have to do so awesome what was your what were you guys your favorite scenes from season four my favorite scene was more of like the the finale the the serious part of it where um uh, Daniel is by Mr. Miyagi's grave and he's like, I need to do this even though we made a pact and a, a, a deal and everything. I I yeah. can't let Cobra Kai win. And I thought he was just like being like motivational to himself and just talking to Mr. Miyagi yeah. and remembering him. Me too. But when it like zoomed out and showed Chosen, I, I just started screaming. I was like, I was... Yeah. Because... I- I forgot about Chosen. I, I forgot. I technically forgot about him too, but I... Yeah. He, his Miyagi does uh, the secrets and everything. Even though he taught, he taught uh, Daniel. It's not gonna be as good because he directly learned it, and he he knows what to do. So I feel like Miyagi Do and Eagle Fang, when they come together completely, it's gonna be a lot stronger as a whole with Chosen in it. Yeah, and and I wonder if Chosen will be kind of the glue to keep Johnny and Daniel from inevitably imploding again and i don't think they will implode because i think they they did that in season four so i think it'll be it'll be different season five ben what was your favorite scene from season four i liked all like i couldn't really think of one in particular i liked all of the scenes where daniel and johnny were working together it was just like cool to see how these villains all these well they weren't daniel wasn't a villain but how these is he people i don't know they're not villains working together. <laughs> yeah. How these two completely different people in Karate Kid are united together by their hatred for Kreese. And I like I like to see them work together. And I don't know why, like, a lot of the fight scenes I just thought were, like, funny. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> like, I mean, besides the one where Terry Silver was beating up Stingray. Yeah. I just couldn't help but laugh at all the fight scenes. Because I just, like, it just seemed, like, so just stupid to me. Like, even <laughs> though it was real, I know that. Just watching it just seemed so stupid, and I couldn't help myself from laughing at it. You know why? All I could think of was, I don't think if we went to a hundred karate matches, I don't know if we would see any karate that looks anything like what we saw in the show. And 
I was actually like it was like Street Fighter. <laughs> I was surprised to see yeah. for the All Valley tournament. I understand that it's a big deal, but I didn't expect that many people to come out to watch karate. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and and also Carrie Underwood is not what I think of when I think of karate. I, did, I, did, I was I like, did, what is this? I did like karate, like I did karate for like what eight years, and then I stopped. Did you? Yeah. So I know like a bit about it, and to be honest, there's some similarities, but like it kind of what I when what I saw like from watching Cobra Kai, it's like a lot of it. They like maybe I think they took the aspect of karate, like some moves that they used are actual karate. Like, uh, you know, uh, like, I don't know, like the kicks some of them they do yeah. is from karate. Like, but like some of the moves they do are also really dirty. So I think they yeah. just like mix those two and made it. My wife own. and I were, were like Googling like what's legal in karate. I'm like, there's so Rashawn, maybe you can answer this. Like, can you kick a dude right in the face? No, you can't. Okay. Yes. I, I'm like, there's no way you can have kids competing and just, oh, you just got kicked right in the face. You're knocked out. Like point. Yeah, it's it's way different. Like so exaggerated. It's uh so like there are like you can like maybe like hit people in the head a little bit like not okay. not directly in the face. You can't sure maybe to the sides you can, but it would be like like something that wouldn't hurt. It would be something that would just be like a tap or right. but, like if you actually wanted to like get a point, you'd have to hit their chest, their sides, uh, sure. legs. Like the sweeping thing they do in the mo- in the, uh, the show, like that, I don't think that's allowed. Like, may I think uh, there's like other things that are allowed, like maybe like bringing them to the floor, but like that okay. sweeping thing, that's that also you can't do. But yeah, I I love the portrayal of like these things. Like whenever there's like a like if there's like a wrestling movie, like not professional wrestling, but like amateur wrestling. They'll always exaggerate it where people are, like, suplexing one another. It's like, that's not allowed. That's not how it works. Uh, Rashawn, what was your favorite scene in season four? Um, in my opinion, it, like, I I thought, like, you know, when Robbie was talking to Kenny that one time. But maybe the more I thought about it, maybe Robbie versus Kenny. Or maybe or maybe when Johnny, like, when uh, Terry told Johnny to meet up with Terry, like, or, like, said the address, and then Johnny came, and then Terry, like, beat him. Oh, like, yeah, and then, yeah. like, I saw Crease in the background. He was, like, not having it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he was, like, he just did He, like, did not want that to happen. And, like, uh, I think that, like, uh, like Terry's, like, socio, like, pathology or whatever, like, kind of came out there. Because, like, yes. he was, like, so focused on being loyal to Crease, but Crease didn't want that to be what he do- did for loyalty. You know that scene, Ben. You might like this. This, and I know I just mentioned this earlier, but like that scene really reminded me of the the ending scene in uh, Return of the Jedi, where you got Kreese, who's Darth Vader, looking on as Terry Silver or Palpatine is like beating the life out of Luke or Johnny Lawrence, and just like kind of not approving. Like, I don't want this. I don't want this. And I think that scene helps humanize. Crease. My favorite scene. I think it helps him understand. I think it helps him understand. Like, remember that scene? And this is like Terry Silver's weakness too. Remember that scene at the end of Episode Seven, where that scene where Crease was like, "I'm in charge. You have to stop." And that like really scared Terry Silver. So that's like his weakness, where like being Mm. like, like kind of like dethroned by someone like that is too reliant on his power for. Like for something like that to happen, yeah. and if he loses, he's nothing. He's nothing 
without his power. Yeah, my favorite scene, you know, you guys went all really intense. My favorite scene was when Johnny Lawrence was at the high school trying to recruit girls to yeah. be a part of, That's part of Eagle Fang. <laughs> like, that whole scene. And then when he was like, the, the guy was like, oh, which one's yours? He's like, I don't know. I'm just scoping out potential. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, I oh, my God, what? Speaking <laughs> of that. Like, all of that was so funny. And where he was like... <laughs> Having him lathered up in like the baby oil yeah. and trying to get Miguel to flex, and he just looks like a sweaty mess. Yeah. And they're like, "You like that over there?" Speaking of that, speaking of that, like the person, I mean, like Devin, I think that like uh, Johnny recruited. Like, I'm kind of not like we didn't see much action from her. Like, I agree. I think I, I thought the fact that she's the only woman in uh, Eagle Fang, and she's not get like any like recognition and same with like piper kind of but like any yeah. recognition compared to tori and sam like i agree i i thought that was the only part of the season where i found i actually said out loud what was the point i mean like i know there was a point but it just it didn't feel like they were very important now who knows they may come and be much more important in season five uh but I feel like I totally agree. It felt like they were thrown in there to like fill a role of well, every uh, dojo needs to have a female competitor, and it, it just kind of left me feeling like eh. But that leads us perfectly to what you guys are looking forward to in season five as we're wrapping this thing up. And what are some things you guys are looking forward to most about season five? I thought season four was going to be it, culminate with the tournament. And then Cobra Kai loses, gets dispelled. The good guys win. They work together. And somehow they found a way to turn this thing into another season five. And that's not forced that I'm like, okay, let's do it. I could go season five. Mm -hmm. What are you most looking forward to? I'm really curious to see what Kreese thinks of prison. Like, I don't even know if he knows why he's there and what's happening to him. Ah. I think he's Yeah, he doesn't know. I think... He's going to really be curious about prison and, like, what happens. You know who has to help him out of prison, right? (laughs) Daniel and Johnny. Daniel and Johnny. Like, they have to be the ones that help him, you know, get Crease or get Johnny Silver, uh, Terry Silver, and get Crease out of prison by, like, like, all kind of joining forces to go after him. Yeah. I wonder what will happen. Like, will Tor- I don't think he's going to like prison. I, I'll tell like, you that much. Yeah. Will Tori say anything about what she saw about ah. Terry Silver bribing the referee? Yeah. Maybe she'll, like, give the trophy to Sam and say, like, hey, you deserve this. You should no. have she it. Won't do that. She won't. Honestly. You know, Because what's her weakness? Her, uh, ego. Power. Ego, ego. There it is. Ego Honestly, and power. So I, she's going to be torn. That's going to be a really fascinating storyline to follow in season five Tori's, Rashawn, go ahead. Tori's storyline in my opinion is one of the most interesting it is because like uh like that's what i'm really excited to see what's gonna happen with her in the next coming seasons or the season if this is like a finale i don't really know i kind of don't want it to be yeah this is one of the best written shows uh, that i've ever seen and i know it's like very kind of at times like cheesy but it it's just the writing for the characters is so well done. Nothing is for the sake of just having it happen. It's Tori is she Tori kind of went from just like your classic bully, like eh, whatever, to like she's got layers. They all have got layers. They're all onions. Rico, what are you most looking forward to? I think 
uh, that they mostly built up Kreese's character and made us sympathize with him so that if and most probably when uh, Daniel and Johnny come like join forces and break out Kreese because they realize that they have to team up to beat um, uh, Terry Silvers They're, it's gonna provide like a logical reasoning for why he deserves to be out of jail and okay. um, yeah with Chosen uh, Daniel Donnie Lawrence and Chris, uh, it's it's gonna be like a major trio against just one person, I and agree. especially with um, uh, Terry's like ego and power issues with like being technically still scared of being one up by Chris, he's he's yeah. gonna be like a little bit outnumbered by the entire thing. So here's my bold prediction for season five. Are you ready? Because they, they do a great job of, of constantly evolving the characters. Like Layla said, shout out to Layla, uh, on our Season 3 review. There is no good and evil. There's just a lot of gray area in between. It's not just good and bad. I think Kreese dies heroically, and that's the only way the audience can then forgive him for, for everything. Is by having him do something that just totally, totally redeems himself. And, uh, and and that's my bold take. And then I think then, because of that, I think you get the characters then who forgive him as well. Hot take alert. I think season five, I think season five might be... The finale. In my opinion, it might be the yeah. finale. Also, it might be one of the best seasons. Yeah. Because like, oh. in, my, in my opinion, like season two was, I think, my favorite season. But I feel like, I, I have like a really strong feeling about season five. Season they two was the introduction of Crease, right? Yeah. Yeah. Season, season two, two was amazing. Yeah, it built up so much, and then season three was just like a. It was just like everything was like crumbling, and yeah. then yeah. season four it built it back up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna love season five. Yeah. Oh, so good, and I, I cannot wait for season five, and the last two episodes alone of season four are what did it for me. So excited! Listen, Rika, amazing job, Ben. Fantastic job. Great insight. Rashawn, amazing. All our listeners, make sure you're following us on social media. Until the next time, stay safe, stay hungry. See ya!